This is the Jets-centric podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome to episode 17 of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm one of your hosts. And in this episode, no, you know what? Before I tell you what's in the episode, I should really do uh, an ad read as I've been planning to for a while here now. Our show is made possible by our wonderful sponsors at the new restaurant in St. Boniface, the Blackbird Brasserie at 300 Tache on the corner of Marion. Enjoy delicious French centric. Hey, centric. Yeah, you said it right in the ad read. Nice. Uh, French-centric cuisine, cocktails and wine, amazing food at incredible prices. Call and book a table today, 204-505-0760, the Blackbird Brasserie. Bon appetit. You know, I did actually read the ad read before that, but did not notice uh, the word centric in there and realized now it's a play on the name of the podcast. All right, so there you go. Welcome to my head. Uh, anyhow, this episode is an interview uh, that I do with uh, Jamie Thomas of Jets TV. We had a lot of fun. It wasn't so much about uh, the hockey and what was happening on the ice, but some of the periphery stuff, especially stuff to do with Jets TV and his job there, and a little bit of his story. We had some fun just kind of chatting, so hopefully you enjoy it. It was definitely a lot of fun to do. Jamie's a great guy, and uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about this one. We got... Uh, Kyle Wellwood, I think, coming up next week for you guys, too. So look forward to that. A lot of you had some questions for him, so we are going to try and include a bunch of them in in the episode. All right, let's get to it. Well, uh, Jets fans, I am here talking with Jamie Thomas of Jets TV. Jamie, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I'm really excited about doing this and uh, enjoyed our conversations uh, before and online and stuff. So I think I think this will be a lot of fun to do. So but first of all, I just want to say thanks for, for taking the time to do this. Absolutely. My pleasure, AJ. It's, uh, sorry it took me so long to get around to this, but uh, you've been very patient with me uh, getting to this point. But uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, not a definitely not a problem. And uh, to be fair, like a, didn't wasn't much patience. You're great at communicating, so really appreciate that and the follow through on it too. So uh, first thing, I, I'm sure all Jets fans want to know uh, who is the best Jets media person at Fortnite. That's uh, I think like that's got to be the, <laughs> the main thing on people's mind. Like I, you know, I have all the I have a list of questions here, and I was trying to think what right. do I start with, and it's a Fort, yeah. Fortnite was the obvious uh, obvious question. Oh, so, man. so who's good at Fortnite and who's not? What John Delaney is in charge of our social media is uh, he's a, a big Fortnite guy. I wish I could tell you that I have the um, the scouting reports on everybody that plays Fortnite, but I don't. Uh, I would like to say that I did, but I I sold my Xbox uh, one a while back and uh, have not been able to take part of the craze. But uh, and my son constantly tells me that all the kids in his class talk about it. Uh, so, but I, I can assure you that John Delaney, if, if anybody, although. Not media, but close to media. Our social media manager at, uh, with the uh, Winnipeg Jets is, is probably the guy that's the king of that department. I, I would put him up against anybody in the media here in Winnipeg, uh, knowing the guys that like I do, because I don't think many of them play it. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, just kind of talking about like media just came came to mind right now. Talking about like playing Fortnite, but uh, on a sort of more hockey based. Uh, yeah. Note, which one of the, these these guys that uh, report on the team and cover and stuff are, are any of these people good at hockey? I know I'm not good at hockey, so I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not going to pretend that I I'm good. But are any of you guys like did uh, have some some pedigree of being some uh, some all star that uh, you know did, didn't oh, make it to the to the big the big league or no? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, and I just like I, I know I played junior B in uh, in Clark and Alberta. Uh, that's as, the highest level I got to. So I was done by twenty, uh, age twenty. I didn't go much further than that. But uh, I, I mean, I think I'm just trying to think. I know Ken, we know Ken Weeb's a great golfer, but I'm not sure if he's a good hockey player. Right. Um, and, and from the Winnipeg Sun, and then uh, I'm Tyler Esquivel, uh, uh, our our guy that's in charge of us uh, media and uh, content at WinnipegJets.com. He's a pretty good player. But uh, you know what? Another thing too, uh, Mike Brown, who, worked, who used to work at Global a long time ago in Winnipeg, 
Uh, he's a pretty good hockey player too. So I'm just trying to think uh, of anybody else in the media department's good at it. But you know what? I've only been here a year, just over a year, and I haven't gone on the ice with everybody. So, but I'll I'll get back to you about this. I'll I'll do some asking around to see who's really good at it. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't come from the GTA. And when I worked at Sportsnet, there was, I can tell you, probably like 50% of the guys that I worked with were really good at hockey. And I'm not talking about the guys that work on the panel or anything like that. The guys behind the scenes, were, there's some pretty good players there too. So, But, AJ, the second I find out who's really good at hockey, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing there there hasn't been any sort of uh, media match or something <laughs> like that open to the public where people can come watch. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the thing, another thing too is, AJ, is that um, – I'm down to like uh, my out, like my shin pads, um, my helmet and my gloves, and I just haven't really added to my hockey equipment in a long time. So the guys keep bugging me. I should start asking the Jets, um, the trainers, and see if they've got any leftover hockey equipment because I gotta get back out in the ice. It's been it's been quite some time. As you know, when you get to the, the kids department, you don't uh, you you start taking them to their stuff and forgetting to take yourself to stuff. So uh, I gotta get back out in the ice one of these days because it's uh, it's been a long time coming. Well, uh, pretty soon it'll get uh, it'll be cold enough. You can get out on the yeah. the, the outdoor rink with the, right in the backyard, the right, AJ? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be out there. I bought the kids some new skates last year, so uh, uh, my my middle son. So he's he's pumped to go. So we're already looking at some of the public skates and and whatnot. And yeah. actually, uh, talk about the media people. I do know that Marat actually played at a I think a college or a university in in Ontario. Yeah. So I think he might know what he's doing on skates. So, Man, uh, he's been hiding that from us. He's so he's so subtle, Marante. Like he just like he just he he comes up on you like this guy, and then you start like, listening, working his magic in the in the dressing room. That he want you read his words, but I'm like that. He's very subtle, Marante. So I could see why he, he kind of keeps it to himself that he's a pretty good hockey player. Yeah, he's uh, this is this is his his uh, chance to get in. He just wants to get close to the team, and then you know maybe have a bit of favor with the coach when he goes to a professional tryout yeah. or something like that. That's right. That's right. He's, he's working his way in there. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, playing junior B. So uh, in Alberta, is that originally where you're from? Like I did a little bit of research here, but I didn't want to mm-hmm. kind of know all the answers before I asked them. But are you originally from right. Alberta? Is that uh, so? Did yeah, you? Was, and if so, did you grow up as a Oilers Flames fan, or, or what's your history there? Well, I was I was born in Calgary, and then uh, grew up, I was uh, grew up in Cochrane, which is just 30 kilometers west of Calgary. Um, that's where I went to high school. Um, and left about when I was 21. But uh, my parents had playing season tickets um, for right before the first renovation they had the album where they kind of moved the seats around. So uh, kind of a playing fan, but I grew up being a huge Philadelphia Flyers fan. Uh, Bobby Clark was my favorite player. Of course, I'm a huge Eric Lindros guy too. But uh, and, and since I've and then covered the Flames for years and Oilers for years, that was the toughest part was covering the Oilers because I grew up not being able to stand them at all. Um, from many, many years of torture. And I know Jets fans can um, also touch on that as well because they want to stood in the way of many, many times for the Jets and, and the Flames getting anywhere in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, so um, every now and then, just uh, coming out here now, this was last year, and you start to get caught up in the in Jet fever because uh, I've only been an outsider in, in that aspect. And then when I worked in Winnipeg in 2002, I was only here for three months, I think it was. I worked at Global Winnipeg. Uh, the Jets weren't here clearly in 2002. It was it was just the moose. So um, you know they they had not the plans weren't there yet. I know there was always stuff going on behind the scenes, but uh, it was it was six years after the Jets had left already. So I had to, I was not part of any um, Jets fear or anything like that, or uh, you know all the, all the madness. But that I that I saw last year, and it was kind of good timing when I got here because you know as we all know the run they went on last year and um, all the expectations heading in were as high as they are this year. Um, but it was a, it was a pleasant surprise getting here when I did, and, and, and the season turning out the way it did. Yeah, well, you uh, you and Murat too, just mentioning him again, like you both kind of came in right at the right time. You guys missed you yeah. guys missed all those lean years, those those difficult yeah. years. So uh, way way to go, way to time that. <laughs> that yeah, was, exactly. I have, fr- I have friends emailing me and texting me saying, "Hey, you're, it's hey, it's all because of you." I'm like, "No, I had nothing to do with that." So, but it was it was. It was a pleasant surprise because I've, I've covered some pretty bad hockey teams in my time. It, it, it was it was fantastic and all from the stuff outside of Bell MTS Place and inside the noise and just how the whole city just gets wrapped up in Jets fever and how it's just the only thing, the only conversation going around in town. It's uh, you know it's it was it was nice to see and it was, it was fun to be a part of. 
That's great. You know, uh, it's it's funny. There's kind of as you're talking here, I'm thinking, oh, I got like a question about this. I want to ask you about this and this. So I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with it. You you mentioned Philadelphia Flyers a, a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to ask, what's your opinion on gritty? It's like you know, I could ask you <laughs> how you got into media and stuff like that. I could talk yeah, about like no. uh, the fishbowl that Winnipeg is, but no, uh, gritty. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I love Gritty. I actually, I, the second I saw, I, you know what, man? I, we all grew up with the Muppets and uh, I'm sorry, the you know, Sesame Street. I, I think Gritty's neat. It's it's something different, and I love how the Flyers. I agree with Elliot Friedman, Friedman this one. They're like all in on Gritty. They're they're he, they're shoving it down your throat. He's everywhere all the time. And I think if you're gonna commit to a mascot, this is the way to do it. And uh, as much as he probably drove people nuts, and there was that nightmare aspect of the. You know, he probably scares a lot of kids. I think he's, I think he's neat. And uh, the videos they put out of him, especially the last video, he's pulling sharks off the shelf, sharks off the shelves, and jumping on them. I think it's pretty cool. So uh, I'm a big fan of Grady, yeah. uh, and I like what the Flyers are doing with him. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's uh, kind of parallels uh, how people were perceiving the Vegas. Twitter account last mm-hmm. year, right? Like uh, as, as, when it hit, everyone's like, "Wow, this is the best thing ever." But I'm sure that it's uh, it's divisive for for some too. Where like, okay, enough, enough. But I think overall, it's yeah, like, like you mentioned, it's a great idea, great marketing. So yeah, they're they're definitely killing it with that. It's been uh, been pretty funny. I, I enjoy it. I'm not like, and I I love no, it. So that that's another thing too is just like it's different. And uh, I think you, if you're going to commit to something and do it, just don't go away from it. Too many times people make a decision on something and then back away from it and give up when, you know, there's a little bit of backlash. I just, I just think that the flyers have done the right thing. And even with the, with the Vegas Twitter, uh, it's annoying to everyday hockey fans, but I mean, for the market and, and what they have and what they're trying to build, they've done a great job. And um, even the happy days theme at the beginning part of the year, introducing the team is, is, is fantastic too. And for a new hockey market, those, those things work. That doesn't work here. Um, and they don't need it to, right? So um, I, I, I respect what the Vegas Gold Knights have done, and I certainly respect what the Philadelphia Flyers have done with Grady. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to throw back to talking about uh, you mentioned your time here in Winnipeg before, but just to kind of back up, how did you get into the game? Like uh, this this sports media thing, like uh, nuts, you know, what, what advice do you have for young people? Forget the young people. They're yeah. they're done. Millennials, it's over. Yeah. It's all we're not going to listen to them anyways. <laughs> exactly. They're entitled. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> just kidding to all the millennials listening right now. But, yeah, we uh, love you millennials. Yeah, yeah. You guys run the world. Yeah. Well, and uh, half of our team is millennials too, right? So yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so how how'd you get into this? How what's what's the origin story for Jamie Tallman? Uh well after I got after I got out of high school I went to a place called Columbia Broadcasting Academy in Calgary. It's the school no longer exists. Uh when you hear Columbia it sounds like the, the fancy university in the United States. It's not. It was a it was a broadcasting radio broadcasting school in downtown Calgary that I went to for ten months. Um it was uh how do I put this nicely? Uh it was it was a joke. Um, so I got, we got as much experience as you could out of it. I had a lot of fun. Um, we did, a, we had a live radio station in our, in our school that we you do new one week, you'd be news director, one week, you'd be sports director. This was back in the day when they both had news and sports departments in the, in the radio, at radio stations. Um, and then you play music one the music theme would change every week. It'd be rock and roll one week and it'd be techno another week then country another week after that. So we did that for 10 months and we did, got into commercial writing and all that, and all that aspect. Um, but I got out of there and it's, I, first job I got out of, out of school was at a country bar in Edmonton. If you can believe that I was a DJ in a country bar for two years called Tumbleweeds. And, uh, I had never worn Wranglers or cowboy hats or anything in my entire life. And I had to wear those. There's no photos. Cause of course this is like 1991 and you know, there's no camera phones and there's no, you know, photos weren't exactly a big thing in those days. So, uh, I had to, thankfully there's no photos of me in any of these clothes I was wearing at the time because I looked ridiculous. Yeah. And, um, uh, it was that from there. And then I went to Lethbridge in 1996 and I got a job at Global Lethbridge and, uh, worked there two years. And so closely I went, I went Global Lethbridge, Global Saskatoon, Global Winnipeg, City TV in Edmonton. Um, and then I got to CTV in Edmonton. And then they went to Sportsnet, and then we got around to where we are right now. So it's it's I've moved all over the country for for work, and um, I know not a lot of people get to do that nowadays. But I I think the the biggest thing for me was I learned how to shoot and edit and um, lived in different cities, and um, that's part of it. Was it was just I got to grow and make mistakes, 
unlike nowadays where you, you know a lot of people are getting shoved into um, positions where they're not quite ready for it at that point because they haven't had the opportunity to grow from things. But uh, fortunately for me, I, I, I had that. You learn, you, you make your idiotic mistakes in a smaller market. And uh, not that I haven't made mistakes in the bigger ones, but it, it, it was the best part for me and a great experience moving to different cities and, um, and, and getting those, those opportunities that I got. You know, it's uh, just as you're, you're sharing, I kind of got the, the picture of uh, Kent Brockman from The Simpsons a little bit saying, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm Jamie Thomas. You'll know me from Jets TV, but uh, you may have also known me from uh, Sportsnet and a couple other places. Yeah. It sounds like you, yeah, you definitely have the radio. I've, I've worked all over the place. It's, I've, I've done everything. So it's, uh, um, it's been a long road and uh, it's been a trying, trying periods, not fun. I got laid off and uh, 2016 wasn't the funnest part, but it's, I love the I love the job so much that I made sure to stay in and uh, TSN was nice enough to hire me at the at, in, at TSN Radio and I got great experience there because uh, radio is, is the world entirely. I thought I thought I had talking down path until you have to talk by yourself for three hours. So that's another world entirely. So but got that down path and now I'm in the digital world. So uh, I think I've crossed all boundaries and. Um, got some writing going to uh, I won't say com, and uh, I, will, I will say that after, after having to write for television to write how you how you talk and to then to actually write articles it's been, it's been a tough transition but I, I think I'm getting the hang of it and uh, well, the one thing with this new job is it's forced me to do a lot of things get me out of my comfort zone and uh, get me doing stuff I haven't really done a lot of before. Well, now that you, like you mentioned all the places that you'd gone and the experience you had now this is kind of back to like the Jets specifically and the, the market that we have here. Yeah. I'm curious because yeah. as, a, as a Winnipegger, a lot of us, we go, oh, yeah, Winnipeg. We just know it as it is. We Not everyone here has lived other places. So with Winnipeg yeah. as a hockey market, how what is the actual differences between us and, you know, Toronto and Calgary and Edmonton? Some of these other places, are, do they kind of maybe struggle with the same things or have the same benefits of the smaller community? Like what what does mm-hmm. that look like um, for for how, I guess, fans interact and stuff? With the, right. the team well, and the media there, the GTA Toronto is is a lease market. It's not. I, I don't think you know. I'm not knocking um, Toronto in the aspect that it's not a hockey market, but it's, it's Leafs. It's Leafs only. It's, that's just the way it is, and it always has been, um, as as you can tell by the way the national media serves it. Right, and and then Cal, I find Edmonton and, and Winnipeg very similar as hockey markets because it's the only conversation. Now having hosted a couple of shows in the summertime at TSN 1260 in Edmonton, you know, it's August and I'm talking about the Eskimos. You have people emailing in, they want to talk about the Oilers. It's August, right? So then, then that's, that's very similar. The, the Bombers and, and the Jets, the relationship between those two teams here, right? So uh, I, I find Edmonton and Winnipeg very similar in terms of hockey markets. And, and Calgary, growing up there, the Flames are huge, but, you know, it took till 2004 for that that whole the Stanley Cup final run um, to get people back on the market, right? And then, then the whole sea of red is born again, and uh, the Flames got back in the in the whole in the whole scene. But uh, I, I don't know. It's they're they're different. They're, they have their own unique things every way. And there's so many Calgary so transient. At least it was when the, the oil market was booming at the time, and uh, you had new people coming in all the time. And the, and the hip thing to do was go to Flames games, whereas Edmonton and Winnipeg, it's, it's, that's the thing to do. That's all it is. Um, it's the Jets and Oilers in wintertime, and uh, you lock down in, in, in the cold winter, and that's the one thing that keeps you happy and keeps things warm for you. And that's uh, that's that's to me is where they're very similar in that aspect, and uh, very passionate. Uh, that's all you want to talk about, and that's all you expect to talk about. So, with no disrespect to the Eskimos and, and the Bombers, it's, it's it's those are those are two huge hockey cities um, in the NHL, and that's what I've found is being in both of them. Right. Now, you, you mentioned the sea, the sea of Red. Fun fact here, did you know that the Sea of Red was actually the inspiration behind the whiteouts in Winnipeg? Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember that, that that was when that I, I remember seeing that. Yeah, exactly. And the Sea of Red does go back further than 2004, of course. And, and, uh, and I'm glad the whiteout is uh, spurred from it. To the, the, there's nothing better than being in a building and seeing just one color and then kind of look in the stands trying to find that one person that got forgot the memo and didn't wear the right color or yeah. um that that's 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 always neat but uh it, it is it's the flames and jets did have some pretty epic matchups in the in the in those in the, in the, in the slight division days and 
Um, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, watching a whole lot of those, and you can't bring up Jamie McCowan anywhere near <laughs> in the city of Winnipeg at all. With uh, Dale Howard, second, finally got to meet him too last year. So it's it's been a it's been a great ride in the 20 years I've been in the business. Now we just got to get them to the team to wear white at home too. That would that would yeah. complete it for for me. I think that it's what well, it needs to be. Well, right? as old guys, we want we want the white jerseys on at home. I agree with you 100. percent And I am a huge fan of the Jets. Um, blue jersey. Uh, I like it better than the white one, but I think uh, I'm with you 100%. I like the white jerseys at home. It's just what what hockey's been about, and I, of course, we're not going to see any change of that anytime soon. But uh, I, I'm a big white jersey home team kind of guy in, in hockey, at least. Now you mentioned the the blue jersey. Just uh, now, honest opinion. What are your thoughts yeah. on? I was at the fan forum when you were uh, announcing the jersey coming out. What, what's your take on the uh, on the jersey and sort of uh, kind of tie into this? The jersey was leaked the day before online. A lot of people saw it before. I don't think that's yeah. a True North sort of MO. I don't think that was on purpose. Like some people, yeah. there was some conspiracy theories. Um, so my uh, your thoughts on the jersey and also um, the, from the club perspective, were there, was there some disappointment about the jersey kind of getting out there beforehand and, and maybe it being a bit more of a subdued launch because so many people had already seen it? Yeah, I think okay, I don't think anybody's happy at True North about that, and I don't blame them, right? And but I, to to be fair to the reaction to it, I thought <clears throat> the picture of the jersey didn't do it justice, and it never. Anytime a jersey is in a photo, and nothing it does it justice until you see it in action on the ice, and I, I like it. I I think you could have gone back to the original Winnipeg Jets jersey just to be safe, but I think sometimes you got to take a chance, and I like how they call it the Aviator jersey. Um, I mean, I see it now, and I saw, you know, Liney, um, Shifley, and Wheeler standing in front of me uh, wearing those jerseys. I, I, I'm a big fan of them. And do I do I like them more than I like the the blue jersey? Absolutely not, um, because that's just that's just a special jersey, um, and it's it's a great color scheme too for the for the Jets. But I I think you know they could have went the easy route, but sometimes you got to take a chance, and I think it's going to grow on people. They wear it at home 14 times starting, you know, the first game of this Sunday against Carolina that they're going to be wearing it, and I think it's going to, if it hasn't already, I think it's going to grow on people. Um, I know I saw you know, the Canucks went with the, the winged wheel, and uh, I've seen some other ones. I like how Pittsburgh went with yellow. I thought Pittsburgh was going to bail out and go with black. Like, you, you know, you kind of figure they would, or their original jersey they wore when they came to the National Hockey League, too, with an expansion team. But I like how Pittsburgh went yellow, too. But uh, to answer your question in the long-winded way, I, I really appreciate what they did with this, this jersey this time around. I think, you know, maybe about two or three games in, people are really going to start to like them. And I've already seen lots of people wearing them. So, clearly, it's – the, the anger is, is subsiding, considering what it, what it was when it, when it was first leaked. Right. Yeah. Um, I just a little thing that me and uh, my friend Brian we've kind of dubbed the jersey the Heritage 2.0 because for those who don't yeah. kind of realize it's like a script taken you know as a, as a throwback to the the WHA days. I mean the the color schema, not the color, the blue, but the the pattern of the striping and everything. Yeah. Just a basic logo, no shoulder yoke and no. Uh, shoulder patches is very uh, pretty much identical to the 1990s jersey. I was actually at the home opener and I saw a guy wearing the new jersey and a guy wearing like a, a Timu Slani one, a blue one, and literally like right. the striping and everything was the same. So it's sort of pulling from those two eras as well as obviously mm-hmm. the aviator blue is uh, the same blue or very akin to the blue that's on the, the Jets' current jersey. So I've kind of dubbed it, and Brian agrees, we, we call it the Heritage 2.0 jersey. So uh, for yeah. those who who only like old things, it's it's right up your alley. And if you like new things, well, it, it probably suits that too. For for me personally, I, I just think I would like to see a few more dynamic things going on with it. I think it's a it's a good starting point for a jersey, but I would like to see just a little bit more. Yeah. But whatever, that's that's me, and yeah. I think a lot of people share you know similar opinions on on that too. But oh yeah, for sure. And I understand. Like I I would see. Um, it's not the, listen. It's not the easiest thing in the world to go outside of the comfort zone. It would have been the easiest way. Like I just mentioned moments ago, they could have done it. It would have been a hit to go with the original Winnipeg Jets jersey or the set, you know, the WHA days, or you could have gone with the one last time the Jets were here up until 1996. Then you would have been safe there too. But for them to take a chance and um, you know, it's it's something you want to do. And I could see why people are somewhat upset about it, but I, I still think the people was going to grow on them. Yeah, for sure. Especially seeing it 14 times, like you mentioned. I mean, that's yeah. quite a yeah. when you only have 41 home games. That's uh, that's, yeah. that's quite a few home games. Especially the Heritage Classic jersey, we'd only seen the team wear three times. 
right? So yeah, and what, and you and you start winning, and then people forget all about the problems. So yeah, for sure. Okay, so yeah. so back to uh, kind of your time uh, here with the Jets. So uh, how has the last year been? You said you've been here a little bit over a year, and uh, mm-hmm. what are what are some of the the plans for this year that may be a little bit different? Kind of things that you're going on uh, as far as your guys' coverage of the team. I know that sometimes you travel with the team, and uh, mm-hmm. this, this trip right now you're not traveling. You're in Winnipeg right now. But uh, the yeah. first first road trip. So, uh, what kind of things can we expect from you guys with Jets TV? And uh, how's this last year been? Sort of a combined with two uh, there. Uh, the last year was amazing, and I think uh, I, I I mean I don't know I haven't had a whole lot of chance to do this, but I really appreciate people uh, tuning in the Jets TV live pre and post game show. I mean it was it's kind of hard to say how how it's going to work. It helps a lot in the team wins. And I think people start tuning in a lot more towards the end of the year. And then you get more people tuning in when there's a big game, like when they clinch against the national, the clinch the playoff spot at home ice and uh, lots of viewers then. But I, I mean, we have a, a new, we have a new uh, set this year. We didn't have that last year. I kind of sat on a couple of stools. Now we have a really nice, beautiful set with, a, with even carpeting in the back of it. And um, we have a new sponsor, Budweiser, which is great. And, um, just trying to do more stories, you know, showing the player, right? They were, the toughest part ever is trying to get out of the, the players, you know, just giving us the usual answers, right? We're trying to get to show people they're human, and, and I know everybody knows they are. We're trying to get you to know a little bit more about the Jets, you know, Jacob Truba and his uh, life likes his dogs, and we're going to try to get into that a little bit more this year. It's just little things like that and uh, a couple more feature longer features of course um mitch and, and tyler went to finland uh, this past summer um coming up later this month we're going to have um they followed christian Vesselainen around in his hometown in finland and of course uh followed patrick line around so those those videos will be debuting on the jets tv live pregame show a little bit later this month before the jets head to finland so those types of things uh are kind of there and i, I guess each and every night, just tune in to the pre and post game show. Uh, the desk looks fantastic. I think it helps. It makes it look a lot more, uh, not so much more professional. Not that we were professional before, but I think it adds a lot to it. And I think the players are a lot more comfortable sitting by the desk rather than being exposed to on, on stools beside me uh, answering questions after games. But uh, that, that's that's pretty much what I can tell you right now. What's going to be new about the the 2018-19 Jets TV live pre and post game shows? That's that's great. I like that. I like uh, what you're saying about like sort of the featurettes because I've been saying since the Jets came back, I'm like, please do some sort of docu series on this team. Like yeah. I remember watching the 24 CH uh, series about the the Canadians, and then some of the the lead up uh, series that HBO would do before the, the outdoor games, right? Where you kind of watching yeah. the team for three, four, you know, five episodes, whatever. So I I hope yeah. that one day that's in the plans. And uh, if if you feel like coming back on and uh, telling us exactly on the side, like a launching that here, you're you're more than welcome to. But I, I I love the idea of something something like that. So it's nice to to see that because yeah, fans fans do want to see behind the scenes. They want to know what the players actually think. Like you said, not just the generic answers. So uh, more of that yeah. is is great. So more about them. We're just, we're trying to get to get to people know to more a little bit more about what they're doing other than you know. We all know Patrick Lyon plays video games, but, you know, there's going to be a little bit more to him when we show that feature a little bit later this month. And uh, Christian Vesselainen is very soft-spoken in front of the media was, uh, I don't want to give away too much, was fantastic. Like he was, you're going to see another side to him coming up later this month. Uh, you know, they drove around, took around their, to his favorite place to eat in his hometown and uh, just a little more interesting things about him. He tells great stories about when he was a kid, uh, has the original net that he played, you know, street hockey with or hockey with too still. And uh, it's, it's really neat. So uh, I, I lo- I'm really looking forward to people seeing that because you get to know Christian Vesselin and uh, outside of the fact that he's the, you know, first round pick in 2017 and now it's just in his fourth game in the national hockey league, but it's, it was, it's a pretty neat um walk around, walk and talk with uh, Christian Vesselin and his brother even came along for the ride as well. Oh, that's great. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, so uh, just uh, – actually, no, talk about Finland. Yeah, I, I'm going to go there. So the Finland trip coming up, uh, are you guys going to be going there recording some more stuff uh, as well for the Finland trip? Yeah, you betcha. Absolutely. We're we're planning on we're, – we're, all of us are going. So that's talking social media, uh, the full trio of, of Jets TV – um, you know, there's the practices and the games, of course, but, uh, one of the things we're working on right now too is, 
you know, Finnish players had a great year last year. I think there were seven of them scored 30 goals or, or more last season, too, or, or 20 or more last year. I think that's the highest ever in, uh, in NHL history. It was a great year for Finn, so we're just going to kind of dig into that a little bit. We just saw, we just uh, spoke with Timo Slani. He did sit down with Mitchell Clinton that, that we ran the last per game show. You can check that out on WinnipegJets.com right now, too. And uh, also there's, there's a play-by-play guy. In Finland, now Chris Johnson from Sportsnet did this story originally. He does this, the play-by-play in Finland. I think it's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's the first PBC Hockey Night in Canada game that he does. Uh, and he does it live in Finland in, in, from a, in a dark studio at 2 a.m. in the morning. So we're going to try and catch up with him and uh, get some video of him doing his, his work in this little tiny studio that he's got to get up and stay up late. And imagine being up that late and trying to be – you know, energetic when you're, ha- you're you're tired and you're sitting in a, in a room by yourself trying to do that. So this this guy's pretty original. So uh, we're definitely going to try and catch up with him when we're in Finland. But certainly some more feature type stuff. Uh, a lot of Jets alumni are going to be making a trip over as well. So that we won't unfortunately we won't be tourists or sightseeing. Uh, Tyler and Mitch got that out of the way in the summer times. But uh, we'll be doing a lot of uh, following the Jets around. And I, I'm so curious to see. That just how huge Patrick Laine is because I've heard uh, it's it's out of control how big he is. And speaking with Sammy Miku last year, he said he's he's kind of reached that Justin Bieber type status in Finland right now. That's how big he is. And I, I did ask is he as big as Timo Laine? He says he's closing in. So that that says everything you need to know about tw- number 29 for the Jets. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I love the the Finland connection too. Like uh, I I think it's really neat. The historically the Finland connection with the Winnipeg Jets and now yeah. like even it was going back to the jerseys right they kind of uh, mentioned 100%. that night that there's a bit of a throwback there I, and I own two jerseys I own the Heritage Classic and I own the World Cup Finland jersey from uh, yeah from, uh, two years ago too so uh, I'm I've always been a fan of Finnish players and and, and whatnot too so Me I'm too. definitely excited to see a little bit more of that side of it and why this country of what five million people manages to produce so many you know crazy race car drivers and hockey yeah. players right so yeah that's what people forget about it how good of a race car driver they are too so it's just uh it's going to be a very interesting trip my grandfather is actually my, my mom's dad is, is finished too or was finished he's no longer with us of course but uh he came over from finland so my mother my mom's name main name is hakula so i'm curious to see if there's gonna be any hakulas kicking around when i get up to finland Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know when your relatives are going to be over there, but it's pretty, it's pretty neat to know that uh, that's where my grandfather came from. I, I don't know exactly what city he's from. I'm going to have to do some more discussions with my mom uh, at that point, but it's pretty neat to see, to head to the country to see where my grandfather came from. The the, the fun ending to this story, I'm just going to, I'm going to re- write the what's going to happen here is somehow you and Liney are like uh, fifth cousins, nine, <laughs> nine times removed. Yeah. So that'll make the story even yeah. better. And, and, and yeah, so, somehow you're related to like all these Finnish players and, and whatnot too. That'd be kind of a fun, uh, fun little tie. in if you, you can find something like that. Um, so the, this is a bit of a silly question, but I know people ask it. Actually, somebody asked me to ask this. So this isn't totally me, although I am curious. Yeah. Um, uh, the best rink in the league for media. Um, I mean, like, I mean, I think we all have a pretty good idea of which rinks are nice. I know a lot of Jets fans travel really, really well, but uh, I remember mm-hmm. hearing stories about uh, Joe Louis Arena, how they had them packed in there like sardines and there's no technology and just things like yeah. that in the in the old rinks. So I'm curious for you guys, where where do you like going? Which uh, which rink is uh, the oh, nice geez. one? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say no to Chicago. Um, you know, the United Center, just the national anthem, is no question. Uh, the sight lines are great. Uh, it's a massive building, um, so that that part I like. Um, Nashville is very interesting and fun to go to because it's a fun town, first off. And uh, two, it's just neat to different to see fans having to be cued to to celebrate to dance. It's not dance or celebrate, but to celebrate, yeah, to, to make noise right. more than you, you know. We're so used to people just know when to do it, but they do a good job of it down there. Um, the Bell Center I have not been to, but I've heard it for atmosphere. It's it's one of the best places ever. Uh, Rogers Place in Edmonton is nice, but it's just very flat. I think. I, I mean, it's a beautiful building. I can't go wrong with that. But I still think Chicago's great. Minnesota's a great place to go. Um, I'm really a huge fan of the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Uh, having been there a couple times for playoffs, it's. But and again, for media, it's great. Great. It's great sight lines. Uh, technology is great, um, but I, I have been to Joe Louis Arena, and you do 
getting shoved in the old auxiliary press box is, is not the funnest. Um, but I mean, there's there's worse jobs to have. But I will say, um, Chicago's up there, and if I know for a fact Montreal'll be great too. Uh, in the end, and but uh, it's it's for sure Chicago's number one for me for terms of the media experience. Now you mentioned Nashville. I guess that's good because you can get back to your uh, your country music DJing when you go down to yeah. Nashville. You like <laughs> Jamie Thomas in the house. Is this oh, tumble, yeah. tumbleweeds or what? Yeah, tumbleweeds exactly. And, and the funny part is, is I hated country music before. Uh, I worked at a job. It just, you know, you get out of school and you'll take anything at that point. And, and being a country music DJ was not the top of my priorities when I got out of broadcasting school. So uh, it's, it grew on me for a bit, but now country music back in that department where I'm like, I can't, I can't take it anymore. So, <laughs> so national, national wasn't the, the, I didn't even go down and check out that stuff, but I, I've heard, I mean, we, we did one of our hits from the top of the roof, but, uh, one of the bars, I think it was website Tootsie's. I can't remember the name of it now for this name escapes me, but we're doing the hit from it at 11 o'clock in the morning. People are drinking then. So, uh, it was a nice May morning. So I guess that's the best time to do it. And a lot of people down there celebrating watching hockey too. So, uh, it, it's, it's a neat town for sure. Yeah. I definitely would like to get down there, especially because, uh, for anyone who knows me, they know that I'm also a Tennessee Titans and Tennessee volunteers football fan. So, uh, yeah, someday wow. I'm going to get down there and see the Jets play uh, against uh, the Preds and then also see if I can take in a football game at least while I'm down there too. So Yeah, all these bucket lists, pal. All yeah, these bucket lists. yeah, we were talking, yeah. talking before we started recording. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, so <laughs> the, now we'll get to the hockey a little bit more. Um, the Jets, uh, some of these teams in the West now, they've uh, seemed to mm-hmm. retool a bit. Uh, San Jose has had a nice accusation acquisition there i mean nashville is obviously a really good team i mean they showed it tonight that they did pretty well vegas you know played out of their mind last year i don't know if they could repeat colorado calgary edmonton should all kind of bounce back have better years st louis has kind of retooled a bit too so when you're looking at the jets and you you, you've seen all these other teams up close and you you know you Mm -hmm. you probably get some inside scoop on things what do you think is going to be the jets biggest hurdle in the west to to maybe get back to where they were uh, last year, as far as playoffs go, to to get into the second round, to maybe push into the third round, who who's got our number, or who do we need to look out for the most, as far as what you see? Uh, I I think you know it's easy to look at Nashville, and it's, sorry, it's easy to look at Vegas and, and San Jose, and they, you know they made some big acquisitions, right? And it's but that's the teams in the Pacific Division. I think first and foremost, and the Jets have made this clear from the beginning, uh, management, you know, coaching staff, players. Is that they just got to make the playoffs? It's just the central division is going to be, and we've seen it already, uh, and we knew this last year. But I think more than last year, it's going to be even more competitive and 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 tough to get out of. And and we all know watching the seven game series with Nashville last year, I think that took a lot out of the Jets. And had they been able to get out of the series a little bit earlier, it would have helped out a lot and get them a little bit more time to rest and get prepared for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so to me, flat out, it's Vegas. It's Nashville, sorry. it's that That's going to be a, a big stepping stone for the Jets uh, to, to get past them again. Um, St. Louis, I think, is going to be – well, I know they're going to be better, but it's all that's all contingent on Jake Allen, how much better he's going to be. Then. And I know they've improved heavily up, up the middle of the ice, especially with Ryan O'Reilly coming over. And, uh, you know, Minnesota's hanging out there. But I just think those top three teams, St. Louis – uh, Nashville and Winnipeg will be fighting a tooth and nail for those top three spots. So, and then Nashville to me is just another, they'll be in the way again, like they were last year. Uh, and that'll be the Jets biggest headache throughout the year and, and through the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the central is, it's really ridiculous. Even just watching Dallas play, uh, yeah. just play them second game of the year. Right. I mean, like that, that's, that's a very good team. And I'm a big fan of their, their coach too. I think they're going to be a lot better than they were. Obviously, last year yeah. didn't make the playoffs, so I think they should. Yeah, Ken Hitchcock, my message gets old fast, right? And that's I think that's where the where, and, and and they got bad goaltending last year. Ben Bishop was uh, hurt for a big chunk of the year, got hurt uh, in a game against the Jets, and then Dallas kind of went downhill from there. So they're they're going to be a problem this too. But I still think Dallas is is still that one line too heavy type team uh, to do too much damage in the central, but they're still going to be causing problems as we saw in the in the second game. Um, but we've already seen three central division matchups with the Jets, and they've all been high intensity, lots of penalties, um, very physical. Um, so you, you're, you're going to have a lot of those this year. And, and if you can get out of this division and, and win the division, um, that'll, that'll be a big, big 
plus for the Winnipeg Jets, but it's going to be very difficult because the division, I think, is going to be tougher than it was last year. Yeah, you know, it might be an interesting uh, uh, exercise to see how many man games are lost to injuries by yeah. by division, right? I mean, like, the yeah. Central looks like they might just uh, – there'll be nobody left, really. It'll just be all their farm teams. Uh, but yeah. by the end of the season, uh, like I know, there hasn't – we're only a couple games in, but uh, just even today, what, what happened with the, the Nashville-Winnipeg uh, game, if it's going to be yeah. that kind of intensity, you're, you're going to expect some guys to miss some time, right? So – Yes, and they've been and they've been lucky so far. We don't we haven't heard fully about everything tonight or whatever, but they've been fortunate so far. Uh, you know, already last year, and I think Matthew Perot was hurt by this point too. So uh, it's they've been fortunate, and I'm knocking on what as I say this, they've, they've, they've kind of sidestepped that type of stuff. And you know, every night you're seeing Brandon Tanev block a, a slap shot, uh, go off the ice and come back on. Like, the guy's simply incredible, and I think. One of the biggest, I mean, understatement things for the Jets this year is, is his confidence and, and that lineup, Tanev, Lowry, and Kopp is is just so underrated. And uh, if Tanev has that any inch and any type of confidence that he can score a, a little bit more this year, that's just going to make them a little bit more dangerous. So uh, a two-and-two two start is, is what it is. Uh, they're still a great team. Um, they're going to have their rough times. They're going to have some rough nights, but I still I think overall this is this is a very good hockey club. Even without Paul Stastny not deciding not to resign with his hockey club, um, a lot of you know Connor Hellebuck already looks more than worth the money that he was assigned to in the in the off season. And uh, I think you know it, it's if it, there's comfort in having the same people around, the same players in that in that dressing room that had so much success last year. And I know there's a couple of new faces, but it's essentially the same team and. Uh, I think that that only speaks well of, of what this team can do this year. Yeah, just to your Tanev point, I don't want to just keep interjecting, but he's even made a believer almost out of me, and I, I've been a big Tanev detractor. But I mean, he's, yeah. he's been given every opportunity, and he's he's done the most with it. And uh, like you said, the confidence thing is is uh, is a pretty big deal, and he seems like he's able to create some stuff. So even for me, who was not on the Tanev train, it's still not because. Partially, I'm a huge Marco Dano fan, and so there's, yeah. uh, those two <laughs> close friends. Uh, you know, uh, one, yeah. one one very good friend is stealing the other buddy's uh, job. You know, but the other one's got to yeah. got to find his his way into the lineup uh, on his own merit too. So, um, yeah, so uh, good good for him. Uh, he definitely had a bit of a game tonight uh, running around. So, uh, but let's yeah. not, let's not talk very about tonight's game. That wasn't uh, that was that wasn't a fun one to review. So. Um, but uh, you're just talking about some of the players because you, you are around it. You're interviewing them. You, you're around the team and stuff. Yeah. I think uh, for you, when you're watching these players out there, which one of these players still uh, amazes you? Like you just you mentioned Tanev and, and like his hustle and his go and everything like that. I mean, Perot is known for that kind of stuff too. This being like the Energizer Bunny just keeps on going and going. I mean, Buff and Lonnie yeah. have these insane, powerful shots. Um, you know, there's the speed of guy and the skating ability of guys like Rosovic and Connor and Ehlers too. So when you're watching these guys, you've been around hockey for for a long time. Which 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 of these guys still like? Every time you see it, you're like, I, I can't believe I'm still seeing this. This is just practice, and it looks like amazing. Like, uh, you know, who's blowing you away still? Uh, okay, well, from a practice perspective, it's still blows me away watching Patrick Lane shoot the puck. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it just, you feel fortunate to be around. Um, the release is there. The fact how heavy his shot is when it looks like he's not putting that much into it still blows me away. Uh, from a game perspective, I think Josh Morris, he continues to amaze me because he doesn't do, uh, not this, how about this? He doesn't make mistakes. That's the thing. I mean, the game is the same every single night. I've heard Paul Murray say this over and over and over again, but he's just such a solid player. He makes so many smart decisions. Yeah. Oh, sorry. He is physical as he is and block shots the way he does. And for him to, to play the game that he does, it still blows me away. And I know, I know there's another, another level to him offensively as well. If he got more chances with the power play, that he would put those numbers up a little bit higher than he has already. So I think uh, I think it's fortunate to be able to watch somebody that's so smooth um, and still so early in his young career to be so good and so steady as he is on the blue line as Josh Morrissey. That's uh, I'm, it's interesting that you mentioned because as far as when you're talking about star power on the team, uh, a lot of people focus on the forwards, right? And obviously, and the goaltending mm-hmm. when the goaltending is good. But defense is sort of one of those overlooked things. And both, uh, we've had Marat on the uh, on the podcast, and we also had Ace Burpee, and both of them specifically mentioned 
Josh Morrissey and kind of his character and who he is and his work ethic and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Some of it was stuff we recorded. Some was just chatting before and after. But uh, yeah. for, for Jets fans out there, I think it's a pretty safe bet that there's going to be a letter on his jersey at some point in the future. It just seems like that's an eventuality given what he is to this team right now and what he will continue to mean and grow in in the future. So. He's yeah, he's, he's he's special. He's something special, and I, I will I will always like when I came here. I knew Blake Wheeler was a good gritty player, a good hardworking player. Right. Um, but I think as I've got to know him and watch him work, his, his leadership, I've um, grown to respect his leadership ability um, probably a hundred times more than I did when I first got here because um, he is all business most of the time. Um, but what he does and how he leads his hockey club, I have a lot of respect for, and I think he's always trying to be better. And the fact that he works with Adam Oates in the off season with Mark Shifley, um, says a lot about the guy, how he wants to be better, how he reads books on leadership, tells, tells me everything you need to know about Blake Wheeler. So, uh, I have a, a lot of respect for Blake Wheeler, not that I didn't before, but I have more than I did when I, when I first got here. You know, uh, I'm not sure. Were you at the fan forum last year as well or no? No, I got to, I got, uh, I did fan fest the night, the day after, but I missed fan forum the day before. Oh, yeah. Just, I was going to say during the fan forum, I know at one point, uh, Maurice was asked specifically about Wheeler, and he said, I've, uh, of all the people I've ever coached, including Sundin, including, I think mm-hmm. he had Francis, um, which I remember another star player that he has coached in his career, and he says, by far, he is the best leader ever out of all of them. And I'm like, wow, there's yeah. been some, uh, there's, you know, he's had quite a few teams and guys with the the C on there and uh, um, some, some hall of famers too. So it was a pretty glowing endorsement to hear him, him say that. So I think those who were there uh, really appreciated hearing that and knowing that, you know, the team is, is in good hands with, uh, with yeah, a leader yeah. like that. So it's nice to hear. Yeah, he's, just not wearing, he's just not wearing the letter at all. He, he, he is what a captain should be in my opinion. So it's, it's, he's been, it's been very neat to watch him work, and I'm not in the dressing room. Don't get I've I've never been around for any speeches, but I just see how he carries himself, and I see how he talks to the players. And you know, having two very young players on his side, when you remember when he got shifted to center, I mean, I, I after Shifley got hurt, I just I've never seen that before, where a guy just goes from the wing to center and plays just as good. And the Jets were just as good without Mark Shifley, where you would think they would take that massive step back. So I just too many times last year I saw players get hurt and then you think that this they were going to take a step backwards but that's just that tells you everything you need to know about Blake Wheeler because that's just leadership it's good coaching but it's the guy that drives the team every single day of practice on the ice and in games that tells you know is is how you know he is the character of the Jets and that's Blake Wheeler. Now just uh talk about that I've I've asked a question uh, a little bit ago not not to you but just online but um do you think that Blake Wheeler now that he's he signed his contract do you think he is the captain until he retires till the end of his contract or do you think at some point there he probably steps back and and gives the uh, the seat to, to Shifley which seems like another eventuality that he would probably be the the captain in cool. in waiting what do you think no, I I think Shifley would be to me to the now. I he's like yeah, that's it almost seems like to be the automatic choice. But I don't I don't see. I think Blake is the captain. And I think he is the leader. So I don't know if there would ever be some handover ceremony or anything like that. So I think for the, the extent of his contract, Blake Wheeler is the captain and is the guy that runs his hockey team. Uh, Shifley will be there once to take over, kind of like how Wheeler took over when Lad left. So right. um, that that's to me how the succession plan would work. Yeah. I just uh, I remember when when they were talking about who was going to be the captain, people were thinking, oh, Shifley or Wheeler, and then people had their opinions about all of them. And now I go, well, if Shifley's going to be the captain, he'll probably be you know, what thirty years older, or well, I, I don't know how old he is right now, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, so another yeah. you know five six years. Uh, so it's still a, a ways away for 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 him for for that. And I mean, being the captain isn't the you know that's the it's I'd way rather Shifley get a hundred points in a season than uh, get to where C a little bit sooner right like a focus on the the hockey but it's 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 the thing that's part and parcel with with uh, the team so I just think it's an interesting uh, talking point even though it's it's kind of negligible it doesn't really affect our well life. yeah but it's still it's interesting it's interesting to see where it goes and how you know how much Shifley will grow as a leader I think he already has and has the ability to do so. Um, 
I just I just think that Wheels is is the guy yeah. until until the day he decides to not be here or to retire from the game or if he if he I just think he's the guy. So yeah. um, that's just it, it would be fascinating. And man, what a story would it be? It would be cool to see it happen uh, for Wheel to turn it over. But I just I think he's the guy. He's the guy that the C is on his jersey until he retires or until he leaves until he leaves Winnipeg. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty safe prediction too. I'm kind of with you on on that one. So, um, anyhow, I've been keeping you here for a long time. I'm going to give you one last question, um, just kind of a, a goofy one here. But um, what what's something about some of these players, you know, seeing their interactions with each other, who's friends, who's not friends, that kind of thing? Just that human side. Like again, you just said you want to show a little bit more of that, and not just mm-hmm. cookie cutter answers or just what we see on the ice. But um, wh- what's maybe some kind of interesting thing about? You know, a player. I mean, without incriminating anyone, it's like you yeah, don't no, have, you don't have to say who snores the loudest, or you know, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who doesn't get along, or who is best of friends. But maybe just a, a little nugget that that isn't incriminating or anything, but just a little inside look into um, to what you see with these guys. That's a bit more than what us as the fans would see. Well, uh, this is from a purely selfish perspective, but um, Mark Scheifele is a huge Marvel movie buff. And uh, I, I love the Marvel movies. I, I've been watching them. Clearly, you know, you and I have been reading comics for uh, when we were much younger. And when technology finally kind of took over and stuff for that first Spider-Man movie came out, I was excited with anybody. But uh, uh, I specifically remember asking Shifley about after seeing Infinity Wars, and he was so excited to talk about it. And um, it was just nice to talk to him about something else besides hockey. And, and he, he loves all those movies. Loves them. I actually... I went and saw Thor Ragnarok and went by myself, and there was Shifley um, <laughs> and with Brandon Tanev, and uh, and Shifley's dad, Mr. Shifley, was there as well too. So it was it was funny. I did I didn't say anything to them because it's their time. And I don't talk to the guys if I see them out on the field because you know it's very rare they get to have private time. I'm sure in Winnipeg, so I don't need to be the next guy bugging them. But uh, it was funny to see them there, and uh, we had a pretty funny you know laugh and. Good two minute conversation about Infinity War. So that's the, my little tidbit for you. I hope that's not disappointing, but it's he's a, he's a huge Marvel movie buff, and I plan to hopefully do a feature about it one day or have a more discussion or write an article about it some more. But uh, that's from a purely selfish perspective, AJ, because okay. I love the Marvel movies. <laughs> that's that's totally well, and that's why you would notice something like that, right? So you'd, yeah, if yeah. you were a Marvel fan, you may have never keyed in on that as like sort of a yeah. little little tidbit to 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 focus or to to talk about. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jamie, it's getting late. It's eleven o'clock for for us, so uh, time to hit the hay, man. Uh, I don't know what time yeah. you got to get up to do Jets TV stuff tomorrow, but uh, I got to get up early. So, Jamie, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. It was a lot of fun chatting with you uh, for what's going to be on the podcast, and also just for a little tit-tat beforehand. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks, AJ. I appreciate it, man, and uh, stay, have fun with the, as a father of three, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> you too, father of three. <laughs> well, okay, buddy. All right. Take All care. the best, AJ. Talk yeah. to you soon. Yeah, yeah. you too. Bye bye.